The Ebony's and the Ivory podcast is a bi-weekly dialogue with Dr. Dejalon Jackson-Bell and Dr. Lakeitha Poole. Through the EITI podcast, we plan to promote our mission of dispelling myths, rewriting narratives, and championing women of color in higher education. All views expressed through this podcast are our own, do not represent any entity with which we are affiliated, and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit our website at www.ebonysintheivory.com. You are now tuned in to Ebony's in the Ivory. Dr. Bell said this topic is relevant both probably during your doctoral process, but probably I feel like now more so like being on the other side, it sometimes is even more critical. So if you can develop this skill while you're in school, um, I think it will pay off in life um, and also make you more flexible to when life throws little curveballs your way. So Today, we're talking about time management, and I'm going to just offer up a few other life hack tips and then, of course, get Dr. Bell's thoughts and her tips as well um, on how she manages her time and how she managed it during our doctoral experience. And so we were lucky that we had each other to um, a lot of times hold us accountable when it came to time. Um, But we also had our little like quirks and life hacks that we had individually that Um, got us through because even though we were writing partners and friends and spent a lot of time together um, we also had our own things that we had to do we had jobs and all kinds of other life stuff happening so what I remember most probably about this experience is um, being able to know that leading up to starting the doctoral process um, I felt like I was pretty um, prideful about being timely and balancing my obligations and figured that, okay, since I'm really good at that, like I'm just going to start this PhD and it's going to be really simple to do. But of course, like any of us, we don't know the full extent of what that experience is like until you're in it. 
and um, figuring out my sort of adapted ways of managing my time and creating um, almost like life shortcuts for myself really helped me to survive the doctoral process. So um, now that I'm in my professional career, I sometimes tap into those as well. Some don't work as often and I'll tell you which ones don't work anymore. Um, And then be able to sort of share those with you. And then obviously we always want to hear back from you after you listen to this episode about maybe what some of your favorite um, life hacks and time management tips are. So just to dive right into it, um, the first tip that I want to offer up is really figuring out if you are a morning person or if you're a night owl. And to this day, and she's going to laugh at this in a minute or roll her eyes, which y'all can't see, but Dr. Bell and I joke about my like random 4 a.m. solo writing sessions that I used to get up and do um, before work. And she thought it was like ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. <laughs> and of course, like, you know, she despised the thought of even having to be up that early for something like that because of just the fact that you had to go to work all day. Um, but, right. for, but for me... That was like the quietest moment of my day. So at the time I was working in student affairs. So we had lots of programs, lots of initiatives. Um, I was seeing students for therapy. And so that, for whatever reason, just felt like the most sensible time to get stuff done. Um, And so I was able to just figure out that that worked and really thrive. I would get a lot of writing done. So I would get up for four and write from four to six and six would be my like that was my normal get up time to get to work for eight o'clock and so um it just worked I don't know why it worked but it worked it became so normal that it felt natural I didn't wake up like groggy and so like I alluded to earlier since finishing my doctoral experience and more recently just with trying to keep up with things at work I have tried this method It has not worked because I am probably more exhausted. I'm a little bit older um, than I was. It has not worked? Not in this part of life, no. So it worked better during the doctoral experience. But when I try that now, it can't be 4 a.m. I might still, I'm still a morning person. So I might do like an hour or extra 30 minutes before or get up, get dressed and then give myself a sort of cushion of time from like 7 to 7.30 to do something. But getting up at 4 to be fully locked in is not effective right now. So, okay, so I, heard, I heard what you said. I was just being petty. I know. Um, and I wish it had sound effects so that I could insert like an evil laugh. Like, <laughs> so it does not work anymore. However... The, the the thing that is still true is that I am still a morning person. So for me, it's just figuring out that getting up for four to do actual work is not effective for me at this moment. However, waking up, getting the shower in, picking out my clothes or getting dressed or whatever, having breakfast, that has become more important to me the older I have gotten, um, is just to do that and then save that window of time that's a little bit later, like once the sun is up, to be able to um work on something (laughs) so figure that out though because other people are night owls so like dr bell will tell stories of like how she would after work or even after we were right go home keep writing right through the night and 
just get up and go to work. And that for me just was so unappealing. So, so I wanted to watch TV. I'm not going to lie. Like I just wanted to get some level of separation between the things I had to do and the things I wanted to do. And so if nothing else, I would save my evenings sometimes just to go to sleep. Cause you got to go pretty early if you're getting up at 4 a.m. Um, or to have some indulgence of like TV or a movie or something like that. And so for both of us, though, it worked when we got together because we would usually get together to do writing like in the middle of the day or like right after work at like four or five o'clock, which is sort of for both of us also like a good productive hour. So it really just depends on you, but you definitely need to figure out if you're a morning person or more of a night owl. Um, any other thoughts on that, Dr. Bell? The morning night thing? Yes. Yeah, so my sister recently posted an article because I guess there's, I've seen different articles about like what super successful billionaires do, um, you know, to create success or things that they, what's their morning routine basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the article previously would say, or articles would previously say, you know, oh, they wake up at, you know, 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. But then a recent article came out that said um, that people who are successful wake up at a time, um, you know, that that's that works for them, basically. Mm-hmm. So, like, my sister, for example, um, she, you know, runs all sorts of, uh, you know, people's... Um, Websites. I won't name names, but it's like huge companies' websites, and she does graphic design, and um, she creates websites, and um, she's just like a tech guru. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is not a early morning riser, um, and that's just what it is. And she'll work through the night as well, and she's found that window of time mm-hmm. um, that she can be most productive. Um, so I just want to say that first that. Whether you wake up in the morning super early like Dr. Poole or you wake up later like me um, and work through the night, whatever window works for you um, that helps you to be most productive, that works for you. So when I was getting ready to write my journal exams and I was meeting with my dissertation chair, you know, she told me she was like, you need to figure out what time you're going to write. And I think that's very important. Um, you know, for people who are pursuing any sort of degree in which you do have to create uh, research or um, you do have to, you know, just write papers for class. You need to figure out what what's your window, what time of day um, can you be most productive and most successful, um, and then go at it. So, like she was saying, you know, you might need to work out before, wake up early, work out, eat something. Um, I told her, look, I'm not gonna start at twelve. I'm gonna just tell you that right now. <laughs> um, I might get up, <laughs> I might get up at nine, but I need to be able to lollygag. I need to be able to read my devotional, or read my Bible, or whatever that looks like. Um, eat and then like maybe I'll get in like a 30 minute uh, exercise and then I'm ready to go uh, but for me I know that you know writing a little later in the day like that's when my creative juices start flowing mm-hmm. um, so that works for me so you don't have to follow a specific model or just because I did it or Dr. Poole did it or somebody else did it you know that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do you know her stories or people you know writing for you know Staying up a couple of days at a time. I don't think that's healthy. But what yeah, me person, either. I can't. Whatever you know, I'm too over that. Now. I was just gonna say um, the thought of that right now makes me like nauseous. Like literally. But it's, <laughs> but it's crazy because I 
because, like, when I think about, like, doing finals, like, taking finals uh-huh. for finals in undergrad, like, we used to, we used to fight. Like, yeah. like, we used to be in militant, like, playing around, drinking coffee, like, stand up for days at a time. So stupid, but I mean, when you're 20, you can do that versus mm-hmm. when you're 30. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you still do kind of want to be healthy. And the older you get, the more sleep you, like, eat. Like, sleep is crucial. Um, the older you get, so... Um, I would say just whatever is most healthy for your body um, and whatever, you know, allows you to be most productive, that that's what, you know, that's the window that you should follow. Agreed. Definitely. So find whatever your magic hour is and thrive based off of that um, so that you can be productive and make it happen. So tip number two is like my new favorite thing to do in life um, is learning to say no. So while sometimes, a lot of times we can struggle with this and there are days where I struggle with it as well because I'm a clinician, so I'm somewhat of a softie at heart. Um, I also have to remind myself of the time when I was in the doctoral journey of the fact that like the goal was to get done. And of course, like, During that time, you're bombarded with all these opportunities and um, invitations to present. And then life stuff is happening. Friends are getting married. People are having babies. You're moving. Like things just are going on. And at some point, you have to know when to sort of draw the line on adding more to your plate than you actually have room for. And so while women are pretty superhuman, um, or at least we like to think we are, Um, we're still not immortal. Like we have limitations to what our bodies can do. Just like we were joking a few minutes ago, like things that we did at 20, we can't do at 30. And so it's really important to just kind of like start early with setting those appropriate boundaries around your time, making sure that your self care is like really, um, planted into your schedule. So whether that's a weekly thing or some people, they need daily forms of self care, Um, Just making sure that you do that, because if your calendar is already full, you should not be adding more to it, knowing that you still have to get writing done. You still have researching to do. You have outlines to make. Um, You know, the goal is for you, again, to get finished. And so being able to know that you have all these opportunities that are there, they're not going to go away just because you're in the midst of probably one of the biggest and most challenging times of your life. They'll still be there. But learning how to balance what you can, but also learning how to say no to the things that you just can't do um, is just really, really important. So learn to say no, my new favorite thing in the world. Dr. Bell, any thoughts on that? It's funny that you say that, like, as far as being a clinician and, you know, wanting to serve people just in the line of work um, that we've chosen, um, it is hard to not want to do everything for everybody mm-hmm. um it kind of reminds me of our our um our blog and podcast on obligatory mentorship and um you know wanting to make a difference and wanting to impact lives and mm-hmm. um when that's your main goal you know sometimes it is hard to you know and i think for me personally sometimes i can compartmentalize that so like there's certain people i still won't say no to like my mom because that's my mom. Like, she pretty much can't ask me anything. Like, I'll tell her no at first, but then I'll be like, okay. Like, I'll do it. <laughs> right. Um, right. But um, I think you're right. It is important things that don't feed your soul mm-hmm. um, and things that, um, you know, our time is valuable. Time is money, man. Like, time is money. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if it's not something that, you know, is worth it or valuable of our time, I think it's important. Also, like you said, we have to make self-care a priority. Um, you can't pour, you know, from an empty cup. So um, I think that, you know, saying no for your peace um, is important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Nothing is more important than peace. So I think that that is a good philosophy to sort of adopt when you have what feels like those tough decisions to say no. And then my last tip that has, again, also become a tool that I have used now in my postdoctoral life, um, but that also was extremely helpful. And I, I probably wish that I had adopted sooner in the doctoral journey was to make sure that your home environment is your happiest place. And when I say that, I mean the fact that our homes, besides being at work or school, um, is probably where you spend the majority of your time because you have to rest up or you need to write there. Um, And so it's just really important to have that really awesome feeling of walking into a home that immediately, just like we were talking about, evokes like a sense of peace um, and clarity and freedom, um, but that also kind of speaks to you and who you are. Um, It's just really important. And so it can be challenging with all of what's on your plate to like, you know, tackle those dishes every single night before bed or vacuum or dust things off um, or just to not have, you know, articles that you've printed out everywhere. Like just being able to kind of give yourself some organizational structure, but also like having a space in your home that is safe from the doctoral experience. And so I always tell people that really should be your bedroom because you really shouldn't write in there. And I was guilty. I would pull out my laptop and sit in the bed on Saturday morning sometimes and write um, because your bed is just super comfortable. But scientifically, what we know is like, then our, our brains start to affiliate those spaces with work. And so then when you're ready to take a nap or you're ready to just go to bed, and you may have trouble falling asleep. And so um, being able to sort of make sure that you can focus on maybe like just smaller ways to not let tasks become huge um, during the week so that then on your weekend, you actually can maybe relax or, or on the in the evenings when you get off from work or you're coming in from class, um, you sort of feel like, oh man, this space feels so great. Um, you probably won't even recognize why, but more than likely it'll be because it's clean or that at least everything has a place. And so it's not something that I think anybody can keep up with 100%. And if they can, please come to my house and help me right now. But um, just finding ways to like keep a space um, peaceful and clean um, can really help you when you're ready to have your downtime to yourself, to have it to yourself and not be like, okay, well, I went all week without washing dishes. So the first thing I had to do on Saturday in order to even make my breakfast that I want and looking, I'm looking forward to is wash dishes. And that's not right. fun. Um, so just making sure that you like find ways to do that. Um, for me, and I think Dr. Bell knows this, like I love like Home Goods and TJ Maxx and like all these things. So I would go there and used to buy like probably the very quirky things that you should not buy, but they would help me be organized. So even like, you know, paper organizers or clipboards or whatever. Now don't be a hoarder. Like don't just go get stuff. 
but but find ways to like utilize if if you're that person and you need organization to make your space clean then do that um but also designate certain spaces for work and designate certain places for relaxation and downtime and recharge time so that um you know you can just feel a sense of peace and clarity so i again have tried to do that even now as um I go, I am in my professional life um, and it has definitely helped and I can always feel when I haven't done what I need to do as far as maybe some dishes or vacuum or cleaned off, you know, the sofa with the mail sitting on it from the last two weeks, which is right now. Uh, And so being able to, to know that like before the week is out, I need to find a time to go through that mail, throw out whatever needs to be thrown out so that you know, on Saturday morning when I'm ready to like have my breakfast and sit in front of the TV, I can totally do that. So that is kind of my last tip and and kind of general tip. And of course, if you can kind of stick with at least these three things or maybe start with those three things, I think you'll find a lot of success. But Dr. Bell, any other tips about home life environment? Um, I would say, um, I agree with what you said. Like, even, like, maybe, you know, especially, like, during the writing process when that, that takes up or consumes most of your time, um, even just scheduling, like, you know, at the end of the day or in the morning, I'm going to schedule 30 minutes to do the dishes. Like, maybe even going, like, one room at a time. Like, I'm going to tackle this room today. I'm going to tackle this today. So that by the time Saturday comes, you know, you'll have time to actually enjoy your day off or enjoy your Saturday. Yeah. Um, I also want to say, like, I think it's super important to um, to be gracious, like with yourself, like show yourself some grace. So mm-hmm. if the dishes have been in the sink for two days, like it's not the end of the world, and yeah. that's something I've had to learn as like a mother. Yeah, so many, so many things happen, um, and you're trying to juggle and balance everything at one time, and it's okay, you know. Like your house isn't gonna like combust. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's gonna be okay, and mm-hmm. you have to be gracious with yourself and understand we're not perfect. Yeah, nobody's perfect, and we're trying to do the best that we can. So, um, along with you know making sure you know that you're taking care of yourself and that you created this environment um, where you can actually be effective and actually work. Also, also being gracious with yourself. You know when you're behind on you know daily chores and things like that and mm-hmm. it's gonna get done it always gets done right mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that's right so um you know just just being gracious with ourselves and, and not beating ourselves up when we don't get everything checked off on the to-do list yeah no that that totally makes sense just like you said having that sense of like it's okay if it doesn't happen today but just being able to let yourself know that yes, it'll get done, like it'll happen in time. And that part is important. Um, any, and we kind of talked through what we typically would do questions right now with each other, but, um, and you kind of address sort of, even since becoming like a mom and even a wife, like some, you know, tips and tools you've had, which is like you said, a big one has been being more gracious with yourself, but um what about other tools or tips? Anything else that you want to offer to the Ebony's community? Um, one of my wife hacks, the mom hacks, is uh, making sure you marry somebody who uh, <laughs> you knows how to like push your broom or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like my husband is 
a lifesaver. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't even, like, I can't even talk about it. Like, you know, if I'm pumping at work, like, he'll, like, wash the bottles. Like, my whole, like, time on maternity leave, like, he just did everything. Like, he'll go get the groceries or, like, and that's usually the thing that I normally do, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, when you have, like, a human being that you have to take care of who can't even walk. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of things get, things get pushed off to the side. And like I said, I have to, you know, I'm not used to, or I'm getting used to, um, you know, having someone be dependent on me mm-hmm. um, and, and being okay with not being able to do the, some of the things I used to do in the time um, that I am used to having them done. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, my husband's, like, awesome. But um, I, I will say this. I do wake up earlier than I have to. Um, Look at that. Look at you. It's only for it's only for season, guys. It's only for season. You got to do what you got to do. Um, but I do wake up a little earlier than I have to because I have to get my son situated before I go to work. And I need to make sure I have all my pumping parts and I make sure I got the five bags and how to carry work situated. I might have to or something or you know babies are very um unpredictable mm-hmm. so i have to build time in my schedule for un- for the unexpected yeah uh, yeah um and you know some things don't work out the way that you thought they would and it, it's going it has to be okay it has to. Mm-hmm. it has to be okay um you know even it's funny because i just joked with dr poon before we actually start recording that this series is on time management but yet i was late for our uh, for our uh, weekly commitment time, um, because uh, my husband had to go get the groceries that I ordered, and mm-hmm. I had my son, and there's no way that I'm gonna record with him with me because he would cut up, y'all. So um, <laughs> he's a showstopper. We love him. He is. He's something else. <laughs> so I had to weekly text Dr. Pool and be like, you know what? I'm sorry, you know, but. Uh, I, I might need to, you know, we might need to start 30 minutes late. Of course, you know, we're real friends, so she's like, okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, things didn't go out, it didn't happen or didn't play out the way that I thought. Um, and, it, you know, it, it's okay, you know, it, we we can adjust. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's okay to adjust. Um, and, and my mom always said to me, you know, you do what you have to do so you can do what you want to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's you might have to pull an all-nighter. Hopefully you won't if you schedule your time appropriately. Um, but you might have to, you know, when you're writing, you might have to write for seven days straight sometimes like we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all, everything is for a season. Um, and anything that you can do to make your life um, mm-hmm. more pleasurable um, and just, I don't know, just anything you can do to make your life easier during that time. Um you, you want to go ahead and try to do even if it takes even if it takes a few more minutes, um, because it's, it's four season, it'll be over. It's yeah. over. Um, yeah. You know the time you spend writing this dissertation is it's intense, um, but it's pretty short once you think about you know the benefits that you'll reap, the lifelong benefits that you'll reap. Um, so I think the time hacks you gave were absolutely important, yeah. um, and those are things that you know as we mature and we get older um certain things like time um and just having a clear head space mm-hmm. um oh, so sleep. so valuable yeah <laughs> so valuable. <laughs> uh, way more valuable than, than 
certain, you know, than other things. So I think that, um, you know, it's important to do what works best for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, we always preach about self-care. So uh, whatever helps you to take care of yourself um, and take care of the people around you, you that's always best. Yes, I agree. I agree. So definitely hope these tips are useful to get you started, at least, whether you're already in the doctoral process and you're just trying to figure out what's going to work for you or you are um, post-doctoral experience and um, trying to just figure out how to navigate now your professional life. These tips may come in handy. So, of course, as always, we want to hear from you. Let us know what do you do to keep a good balance, to manage your time. Um, we didn't get into it, but maybe it could probably be its own other topic of what do you do when people don't respect the boundaries of your time? Um, cause that's a problem, but being able, boundaries to, is a problem. it You're is, seriously. it is, we, so we could, we may have to do a whole episode on boundaries. So, um, but let us know if you have people in your life already like that, who don't respect them, let's talk about it. So, um, as always reach out to us, send us a message, whether that's through the website or on social media. Um, And we hope you enjoyed this topic. So we're going to take a quick pause right here and we'll be back with our signature segments. Hey, Ebony's, we're back with our signature segments. First up is our culture corner. Um, And I was really excited about this topic. I came across an article in the Journal of Blacks in Higher Education. And one, because I like music, but then also it was about women of color. And that's who our audience is. And so I was pretty excited to share this story. So the article was about um, Columbia University's program that they have recently designed to introduce young women of color to the music industry. And so um, the music department at Columbia, which is located in New York City, for those that don't know, um, have created this multi-year program called for the Daughters of Harlem Working in Sound. Um, and I just thought this was so cool. I am not a New Yorker, um, yeah. but <laughs> but I do understand how like influential music has been um, in New York City and thinking about the different boroughs and um, right. knowing that they each have their own style and flavor. I just thought that was really cool. Um, so what the program does is like brings young women of color from public high schools in Manhattan and the Bronx in the Bronx to um columbia for these workshops and so they learn to record they learn to produce their own music um and i just thought that was like kind of cool for them to get to do and so it's a collaborative community effort um with the collaborative to advance equity through research which is an obama um shout out to obama um white house effort to kind of study and address the different educational needs um, for girls and women. And I just thought it was really cool. So Dr. Ellie Hisama, who's a professor of music at Columbia, um, she currently co-directs the project um, with Dr. Lucia Van Grova, um, who's also a lecturer in music humanities at uh, Columbia as well. And so um, for the last two, um, 
two years because the program started in 2017 um, for two consecutive Sundays within the month. The Daughters of Harlem participants go to campus. They work with these professors and graduate students. They have guest instructors who come in um, and they learn about the uses and the values of music in everyday life. And so um, I just thought that was like really, really cool because it's nice to think about how this could totally change those young women's view about being in an industry that's even though, I mean, we pretty much run the world, it's still very male dominated, particularly on the business side and the production side. Um, But for them to get that experience and it introduces them to college life. So they're being exposed to professors and to lecturers and to graduate students um, and recognizing that you can do both. Like you can be in the music industry, but also be well versed in the music industry through a degree. And so um, I just was really excited about it. Um, It made me want to go to Harlem, even though they only take girls from Manhattan and the Bronx, which I thought was interesting. Um, but I'm assuming one of the founders must be probably from Harlem. And so um, just being able to unite women in that way, I thought was really cool, but also gives them just a great learning experience. So shout out to Columbia for even, you know, being willing to think outside of the box and do something like that specifically for women, but even more so for young women of color. So I just thought that was pretty awesome. Like the new Harlem Renaissance. I know, so cute. I wish that I could find videos of what they've like produced. I'm sure there's something out there. So look into the program if you haven't. Um, Again, it's for the Daughters of Harlem working in sound. Um, So, and let us know if you come across something. Maybe cool, we can share it on our website. Um, And then our last piece of Culture Corner, you guys have heard this from us, but we're getting close to the end of closing the portal for our Uh EITI mentorship program. So we're excited about it. But we also know that those of you who have not managed your time well, like we talked about today, may not have submitted your applications to be a mentor or mentee yet. So you have about another, like about two weeks, right at two weeks. from two weeks from yesterday, um, to get your info in. We have both mentors and mentees who have submitted. And so um, we're going to start the matching process because we want people to get started in April, which will start sort of the second quarter of the year. And so if you haven't already, or if you have a friend that you know is in need of a mentor, or if you are interested in being um, being a mentor, then please make sure that by March 25th, you go ahead and submit Um, your materials to us so that we can match you with um, your perfect mentor or mentee and you can get your experience going and have that support that you need. So, March 25th. All my friends friends who have signed texted me and told me to sign them up. I'm not signing y'all up. (laughs) For real. That's right. That's right. To be a mentor or a mentee is going to be awesome. So, go ahead and do that um, for the sake of time management. Yes. I agree, definitely. So, uh, switching over to our favorite part of the show, which is Ebony's in the spotlight. I know we need like a hype song right before that. I know for the. I just thought about them. Like we need to call up the daughters of Harlem um, to do this for us. Um, so, Ebony's in the spotlight. I'm. So Super excited about this for a multitude of reasons. One, because this um, young woman is 
um, a mentee of mine, but a friend of mine. She's really become kind of a mentee of both of us, but friends of both yeah. of us as well. And it's been so cool to watch her journey thus far. Um, and so it is my pleasure to um, share with you guys uh, Mrs. Brittany Williams, um, who works for the Board of Regents um, through the state of Louisiana LOFSA Field Outreach Services Division. So specifically, she works in financial aid um, and career development as a specialist. And so she is a two-time LSU grad, go Tigers. Um, she got her Bachelor of Science in Psychology and his, her Master of Arts in Higher Education. Um, and so she has experience that is wide range. And I believe... I believe Brittany might be like 27 or 28 years old. So she is still very young and has accomplished a ton. So I know that there's so much more ahead of her, but um, her expertise is in student support and college access, um, which is one of Dr. Bell's big passions. I know um, transition and success of post-secondary education and also just being able to help college students recognize the process of college choice and being able to understand what it means to go through that admissions process, to understand financial aid policies. Um, and for a lot of first-generation students, they don't have anyone to ask. So she's doing very, very, very important work to go into schools and into communities um, to make sure that this information is available to students. And um, because she has done such a great job at that in her role, Actually, recently, very, very recently, very, very, <laughs> very, very recently, as in like today, um, <laughs> she was awarded um, the 2019 um, LASAP, but that stands for Louisiana Association of Student Assistance Programs Trio Achiever Award um, for her work in um presenting TRIO opportunities, um, as well as being able to walk those students through that college transition and access process. Um, she is doing phenomenal work and it is so cool to get to see her acknowledged for that um, today, <laughs> which by the time y'all hear this, it'll be a week later, but literally it happened today. Um, but we're not gonna tell y'all what, what today is when we're recording this. So. Um, <laughs> Just know it, it happened a while ago by the time you hear this. Um, and so, of course, she is a part of our Ebony's community um, because she is a woman working in higher ed, but she will also be pursuing a Ph.D. Actually, we had lunch maybe a week ago and we talked about this. So um, she doesn't really have a choice because of who her friends and mentors are. But, um, <laughs> but you know, we're giving her a little breathing room. She just graduated last year, I think, 2018. Um, so yeah. it's time to, you know, take a little pause. We took a little pause. We understand. Um, we did, we did. But we got your number. So, you know, we're going to be calling. Just trying to see what you're doing. So, yeah. Um, yeah. If you are interested in her work or just knowing more about her, um, you can follow her on social media, particularly on Instagram, I think is where she's most active with the work that she's doing um, at B Scholarly. So the letter B, S-C-H-O-L-A-R-L-Y, B Scholarly. Um, and she is doing so, so great. So we are so honored to recognize you as this month's uh, Ebony in the Spotlight. And we know that you will continue to make us very, very, very proud. And I just want to say, like, Brittany is killing it. Like, not only is she doing all this work for the state of Louisiana, for TRIO students, for first-generation students, 
she is also a mother of three boys yes. and a mother of one boy. Like, I don't even know how she does it. It's crazy <laughs> to me. Um, and she is married. I think her husband has been married for nine or ten years or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I don't want to get it wrong, but, I mean, she's, like, killing the game. And she and I always, you know, we talk about, you know, college access and we talk a lot about Jesus. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to get Brittany to move. She's saying she wants to move to Houston because I believe one of her parents lives here. So, like, I'm selfish, so I want Brittany to move to Houston, too, so we can go to church together um, and just have fun. Uh, <laughs> super shout-out to Brittany. You're killing it. Um, we can't wait to see the work or the continued work that you do um, for the field of higher education. You inspire us um, so much, and we are so honored to be able to shine the spotlight on you today. Yes. So shout out to Brittany. Shout out to Brittany. We're so proud of you. And can't wait to start your PhD program. Just throwing that in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have no choice. We told you that one two years ago. Probably. You don't have a choice. Yeah. So congratulations anyway, girl. No, we really do love you and we're super proud of you. So um, congrats on being this month's Ebony in the Spotlight. So that brings us to the end of episode 15. Um, I love this topic for a lot of reasons. It also is a good reminder of the things that I need to probably make sure I'm doing more of for myself as well. So it's nice to sometimes for us to get to be reflective and share these things with y'all because it helps us. Um, as we navigate our lives now um, in different ways. So just make sure that you always keep up with us and keep tuning in. But as always, we thank you guys for listening. Of course, we have so much more great content um, ahead in season two. Uh, We appreciate that our audience for the podcast keeps growing. Make sure that you continue to share the podcast with people that you know could use it whether they have started the doctoral journey they're still in their master's program they're thinking about it their post-doctoral experience there's a little something for everybody so make sure that you spread the word um, about the ebony's in the ivory podcast and that you um, participate with us on tuesdays every tuesday we have fresh content out um this tuesday we posted specifically about mentorship for our EITI Tribe Tuesdays and um, I did and I don't even know if Dr. Bell knows this yet because she probably hasn't seen it our first live broadcast for like five minute tips about um, mentorship as well for our EITI Tribe Tuesday so you're always going to get something from us um, on Tuesday so I hope that you check it out and that you share it with people that you think would love it um, and as always, like, follow, and subscribe everywhere on all of our social media platforms. And if you have um, a friend or you would like to self-nominate for the Ebony's in the Spotlight, make sure you send it our way. And we will look forward to chatting with you guys next time. See you guys later.